The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Wing Chun Illustrated is the premier publication for Wing Chun. Published six times a year, Wing Chun Illustrated is a perfect bound, full-color, glossy publication. Each 60-page issue comes packed with in-depth content and feature stories by and about the world's greatest exponents of Wing Chun, regardless of lineage or style. Wing Chun Illustrated has featured people like Imin Bostepe, Philip Bayer, Yip Chun, Gary Lam, Donald Mack, Samuel Kwok, David Peterson, Chan Chi Man, Mark Phillips, Wan Kam Leung, Sam Lau, Robert Chu, Sifu Sergio, Victor Ken, and many, many more. There are two ways you can enjoy this fantastic publication. Go to wingchunillustrated.com and order the magazine as a print-on-demand. The print quality is simply amazing. Or download the Magster app and get a subscription. That's Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. This way, when the new issue hits the stands, you'll automatically receive it as a download onto your smart device for offline reading. In fact, with your new Magster account, you can access the magazine on multiple devices, iOS, Android, Kindle Fire, and web browser. To make the deal even sweeter, listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast can use the coupon code DUDES to get a six-month complimentary digital subscription. That coupon code is DUDES, typed in all capital letters. Go to Magster, again M-A-G-Z-T-E-R, to register, add the six-month subscription to the cart, and apply the coupon code at checkout. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your host, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey, everybody. Hey, Alex. What's going on, brother? Nothing much, man. Uh, I mean, look at us. Now, what is this, like four episodes in a row? We're really we're really living the podcast dream here. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of us. We we're on a roll and we got to stick to it. We're doing well. Yeah, and I got a lot of really great feedback from our last one. Uh, I think people really liked uh, us going kind of into a deep dive about one of the uh, maxims, especially that one that you asked me about. And uh, even some of my students were like super happy that we did it, and they were they were passing the podcast along. and And I think for you know for some of our more hardcore Wing Chun practitioners or Jeet Kundo practitioners, I think you know those kind of deeper dives into those things might be interesting. Well, yeah, you know, the fun part about the, you know, for me, the Maxims have been around forever. Like, I've always heard of them. Yes. But they're rarely discussed. Yeah. Um, at least in my experience, they're rarely discussed. It was actually one of the things that I found most interesting when I met uh, my Sifu, Tom Kagan, was that, like, he was open to discussing them. And most Wing Chun teachers that I had known, just for some reason, were just not interested in it. Right, you know? right. Um, I don't know. Um, I think Moyat placed a uh, a premium on them because yes. it seems to be talked about a lot in the Moyat family. But um, I, I I know most people don't discuss them, but meanwhile a lot of people hear them, and I think it's fun if we uh, take one once in a while and go through it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, definitely. Uh, I think a lot of Wing Chun people have Moyat to thank for. The fact that he actually created art pieces with most of the primary uh, Wing Chun mottos, um, you, you know, his so-called, uh, you know, chops, uh, the Kun Kut, um, because, you know, these are things that were just basically passed down orally between teacher and student. So, you know, if you didn't write them all down or you didn't remember them all, it's pretty easy for these things to get kind of lost or forgotten. And so I think Moyad is perhaps the first 
of Yipman students to kind of like codify that at least like kind of put them all down and then turn them into art pieces. And I think that's really great. I mean, his book where he published those, I mean, it's, it's, it's on my library. It's been a huge resource um, for me over the years. And I've compared that with the, you know, the ones from the other students of Yip Man. So yeah, I think it's um, yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty tremendous. Yeah. And I, and I do enjoy it. Although I'm not a, um, I'm not a historian. I do like to dive deep on the inner uh, core beliefs of an art. Right. And um, so, like, like I say, I'm, like, as far as Jeet Kune Do goes, I, I don't care where Bruce Lee went to high school, but I, I do like understanding where where his mindset may have been during that time period. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I like to understand the, the philosophy behind things without uh, without it being a historical look at his, Right, you right, know, right. Yeah. He and, went and to two. He to went back, to two different high schools, by the way. So just, just. He was that smart, you know. <laughs> and he got kicked. He got kicked out of the first one for pulling a knife on the gym teacher. I actually got kicked out of high school this one. Yeah. <laughs> so there I, you go. Another thing you have in common with the late great. <laughs> I I was kicked out of Nazareth Regional High School. Well, I should say they they not invited me back for my senior year. Ah. Oh wow. That's that's how they put it. They said it's not that we're throwing you out. You're just not invited back. Wow, that's uh, that sounds like a story for another day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm I'm totally I'm totally with you um, on that stuff, especially um, when it comes to the Bruce Lee stuff. I mean, there there is no shortage of people who can tell you like uh, you know some kind of bizarre fact about. Uh, you know, the the first version of the Green Hornets uh, of the Cato suit that Bruce wore had six buttons where later ones had eight. And then that was because the costume designer later. Like, there's so many people who can tell you stuff like that. And while, like, I'm kind of I like factoids and stuff like that. But, yeah, it, it, I also, like you said, I want to know where was Bruce Lee's martial arts development at that point? Where was it right. later? You know, where did he get certain influences from? Because I find that, you know, that's if, <coughs> if, if you care about the art that's actually the thing you should also care most about and not just like the weird collecting Bruce Lee factoids. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm not making fun of about something, but I'm, it's going to sound like I am. Uh-huh. Um, when recently, not recently, a few years ago, I held a seminar here in Staten Island and I brought Steve Golden in and one of the attendees for the seminar, a friend of mine contacted me saying that um, he had, he knew somebody that had, a replica of the Black Beauty, the car that uh, Bruce Lee used in Cato. The Green, the green Hornet car. Uh, yeah, yes, the yeah, Green right, Hornet car. Right. And that they were going to bring the car to the seminar, oh, Jesus. midway point, and we could take a break from the seminar, and everybody can go out and check out the car and go for rides in the car. Uh-huh. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? And and I think that's like, um, and again, they meant well. I'm not making fun. Yeah, they of course, well. of course. Um, but like, to me, that's like the difference between being in my mind, obsessed with Bruce Lee as opposed to the martial art. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. nothing's anything wrong with it. Like I'm obsessed with guitars and Sherlock Holmes. It's sure, just, sure. uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think like for me, like the reason why I might be interested in seeing the black beauty or whatever is because I like Bruce Lee and I like Bruce Lee because of the martial arts stuff. And on right. the, and on the hierarchy of like what I give a crap about, the martial arts stuff is way on top. And right, like, right, so, right. which is why, like for me, 
um, you know, like hanging out with Chan Chi Man in, in Hong Kong when he can tell me like these stories about what Bruce Lee was like as a teenager sure. and Chan Chi Man was there when he, you know, ha- uh, when Bruce had his first fight and that, you know, when they're walking down the street, Bruce is like doing the Siunam Tao form with one hand while holding his book bag with the other. Like those are the <laughs> things that like those kind of factoids are interesting because then you go, OK, so when he was 15, he was clearly pretty obsessed and he was probably not like the other kids. And that gives you a window into what he was like, which gives you an idea to, you know, where he was five years from there, 10 years from there. And that's a lot more interesting than just like uh, I, I bought a pair of shoes Bruce Lee wore once off of eBay, you know, and I'm like right, and, right, and, and sure. I'm like, well, that I mean, hey, I want to see those shoes. But um, right. I would like to know what he was thinking about Paxa while he was wearing them. That's like for, for my brain, just a far more interesting thing to know, you know. Sure. So yeah, and 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 I think that uh, um, certainly I think Jeet Kundo obviously has a lot more of that stuff because the figurehead of Jeet Kundo is obviously Bruce Lee, whereas Wing Chun, um, we don't. I mean, yeah, we have Yip Man and stuff like this, but no one's on eBay selling Yip Man's shoes. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a different thing, and so. Within the Wing Chun style, one of the things that I guess people kind of covet are things like knowing these maxims and mottos and stuff like that. In At least in the WT organization, for the longest time, most of the instructors didn't really know them because every, like one thing that Leung Ting did particularly well is – he catered Wing Chun towards the Western audiences, particularly the European audiences, which is why he was so big over there. So he taught things in a very straightforward, pragmatic way without relying on, uh, you know, an appeal to like all the mystical Chinese stuff or like all the secret mottos and stuff. He would just say, you know, um, you know, and he would often say stuff like, you know, uh, who cares how traditional you are if your opponent can beat you up? You know, like just right, 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 <laughs> like sure. stuff that just like okay, like and and so. <clears throat> however, in in uh, the early two thousands, there was kind of a bit of a political schism that happened in the WT organization, where uh, it turns out that Sifu Ting had been secretly training some guy who was kind of a black sheep of the greater WT family. And this guy ends up totally backstabbing Sifu Leung Ting and backstabbing the European Wing Chun organization and opening his own organization in Europe and then going, I know all the the, the real authentic Chinese version of Leung Ting system, which is different from the European version. And I know all the mottos and maxims. And then suddenly all the European instructors were like, well, we don't know those. And then suddenly right. it became in vogue for all of the European WZ instructors to start collecting those things like trading cards. And right, so right, right, when, sure. when Sifu Leung Ting would teach seminars like in the early to mid 2000s, then he was like heavily writing down all of those, <laughs> you know, Kun uh, Kut and mottos and stuff like that. And then that then became the trend a little bit later within WT. And he also started putting those things in his books. And luckily, uh, through you know my lessons with him and the books, and also being able to compare it to the other guys, I've, I've been able to kind of amass all of the the main ones. And it's a huge, huge uh, game changer if you understand those in terms of Wing Chun because they are conceptual. They're not technical. They're they're right. they're things that give you an idea about how to operate. And it's not just telling you about the pinky finger and bong cell, but kind of how does bong cell relate to fighting in general? So, um, I, yeah, I think those are great. Yeah, I was say, I think they, they tend to um, work as a way of teaching you a thought process. Right. 
as you know, as opposed to like you say, where the pinky finger bunks out, it should be right. You know, it's uh, I, I I enjoy them. I, I I enjoy them, and I enjoy the discussions. And I'm the first to say that I my thoughts on them are my thoughts. Right. I don't I don't parrot my sifu. I don't try and parrot moyat. I I. I, I'm I'm one of those guys that are not afraid of sounding dumb, obviously. So, <laughs> like I'll say, don't look, you know? Yes, yeah, so like maybe my seafood said, "Oh, this is what Moyad said that meant." But to me, my level of understanding of the system that doesn't make sense yet. Right. So this is what it means to me now, mm-hmm. even if that is an elementary view of it. Right. I'm not afraid of saying this is what that means to me. Sure. Sure. Well, there, there's a, a very famous one. Um, I don't know if you've heard it, but even even if you didn't hear it in this exact form, you you probably have heard some version of it. And if you haven't heard some version of it, you've definitely probably got it as a note or a correction. Um, but there's a, a famous one in Wing Chun. It's called Ying Bat Toi Sao, which is chase the body, don't chase the hands. And right. so, uh, and there's a few different iterations of that. And there's other ways that that's sometimes formulated. Um, you know, sometimes they say... Uh, um, uh, like uh, which is if you have hands, stick to them. If there are no hands, go forward, right? Uh, and, and so th- there's a few of them. Also, thrust forward as the hand is freed. <coughs> Wing Chun is like chock full of, you know, our ancestors telling us stop chasing the damn hands. You know, right. s- send your hands forward with forward intention. Try to hit, try to knock down your opponent. And if you run into their arms, then you have a bridge, but don't unnecessarily try to like chase arms out of thin air. Um, is that is that motto? Because I've heard that I've not obviously in the Larrington system, but I've heard also other students of Yip Man have some variation of it. Have you have you heard about it's some kind of like you know chase the body or go to the body? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I've, I've definitely heard of that. Um, and for me, I look at it at least two different ways, probably more. So in a strictly martial arts sense. I look at it as a way of, I always say, chase the core. Right. You know, so chase the core of the, the person's body. Um, and don't be, don't let the arms take you off the core. So if, 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 a, if my opponent shifts or steps, I again just deal with that center line or center line fence or central line, however your lineage refers to it, the line from my core to your core and attack your core. Right. And that's, and that's where I keep my focus is on, on following and driving through to your core. Right. If your hands come off center, I'm not going to chase them away because that just distracts me from the core. Right. But the other way, if you can you repeat it the first way you said it? So this one is Choi Ying so which is literally chase well ying actually to be fair kind of does mean core ying means shape or body or shadow it depends on some people use different characters it kind of just means it means the shape of the body so it, it, it essentially you could say core so chase the core don't chase the hand so it's very right, so, straightforward so that also i tend to look i try and tend to think about the wing chun maxims is not exclusively in a martial arts sense. Mm-hmm. I try to look at them as on multiple levels. Right. As almost like life lessons. Now, some of them, it's more obvious than others. Yes. But, like, when you look at this one and you say, like, you know, chase the core and not the hands, it could be, like, if I'm problem solving, mm-hmm. 
go after go after the problem. Don't go after the distractions involved. The problem. Right. Go 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 to the root of the problem, not go the, the symptom. Root, go to the root of the issue and right. not the symptom. That's excellent. Right. If I'm if I'm looking for if I'm looking for love, go you know go give everything to the person I am going to want to be with, as opposed to being. Um, what's the right word like like uh being distracted by other things around going on around your life sure, you know sure, sure. if you're looking at it as a career like like with you i, I think of that like you're you're so focused on your career in the martial arts it's, it's a awesome thing and that and that focus can only your success in the martial arts is can only be you know happening because of your absolute focus on the core or of your belief that you could do this right. and, and not be distracted by the craziness that involves living in New York. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? And, and that, that maxim of, of, you know, chase the core and not the hands while, ha- while having an absolute martial application to me is more of a life lesson. Right. Yes. I mean, it's, it's also very similar to, uh, Bruce Lee's uh, as, as kind of trite and common as it is, but like, you know, the whole pointing, the finger pointing to the moon thing like you know how many people like you know they're looking at the finger instead of looking at the moon just like look at the moon like go to the heart of it you know and and don't be distracted by the things that are essentially ornamental or in the way but try to find the root of the problem the root cause your opponent is coming at you 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 hit them in the head you knock them out the soldiers i.e the arms fall but if right. you put all your power and block one person's arm, you know, one arm, the other arm comes and punches you in the face. You are you're kind of trying to deal, you know, with 20 leaky faucets by just holding all the cups at the same time instead of just shutting off the main switch. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think that, that the, you're right, that that motto, obviously, beyond being an admonition not to chase hands is also very much at, you know, getting at the core of what the central issue is. Uh, in a fighting sense, our opponent, and in outside of the world, outside of that, being the root of the problem rather than the symptoms. Right. I mean, if we look at me personally, and I was going to say, all right, my goal is to lose weight. If I'm going to concentrate on the core of the matter, is hey, Sean, you know, burn more calories than you put than you put in your mouth. You know, should it be on the keto diet? Should it be on this diet? Should I be on Weight Watchers? Right. That that's kind of all the distractions. Yes. 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 The, the core of the matter is burn more calories than you put in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. And if I concentrate on that, I'll be a success regardless of all that other stuff. Yeah, I mean, whether, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like whether, you know, keto uh, or uh, intermittent fasting or, uh, you know, an all-protein diet or whatever. I mean, they all work on the on the principle of caloric restriction. And, exactly you know, right. And you find the one that works best for your type and your energy level and stuff like that. But ultimately, they're all working on the same principle. If you are consuming more calories than you're burning, you gain weight. And that's how it works. So, you know. So that just goes back to that idea of focusing on the core. And not, and not on the distractions, not on the hands, you know. And, and just to bring it back to something I've spoken about on the um, on the podcast a few times now, literally my first lesson with Steve Golden was on this idea. Now, he didn't present it to me as a maxim. Mm-hmm. He didn't present it to me as a fancy saying. Right. He, The first thing we ever did, Steve Golden and I, we had spoken on the phone for well over a year. 
and I um, used to be proud of my my uh, my so-called ability at Chisau. Uh-huh. And I, I did nothing but tell him how great I was for a year. And saying I couldn't wait to cheese out with him. And he's like, okay. And I remember he came to, you know, I picked him up at the airport. And we went back to my house. And we went in the house. And he said hello to my wife. And he said, oh, is that the back deck where you train? And I said, yeah. And he said, let's go out there. So we go out go out on the back deck. And he starts rolling up his sleeves. And he said, right, let's get this over with. Let's do some cheese out. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, and and I did something really stupid, and I got punched in the face. And basically, I, from Tan Sao, mm-hmm. I did this wide-ass, what we call Jiao Sao, right? So I did this from Tan Sao, I did this wide-ass Jiao Sao to like slap come and hit him, him on the side. slap him on the side of his yeah, head. Yeah, I've seen that maneuver. <laughs> okay, and where I had learned Chi Sao, at a JKD school, remember, never learn Chi Sao in a JKD school, kids. <laughs> Where I had learned Chi Sao in a JKD school, when someone did Tan Sao to Jiao Sao, uh-huh. the person should answer that with Tan Sao. Uh-huh. It's like block the block the Jiao Sao slap. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Except when I, of course, dropped my hand from Tan Sao to go Jiao Sao, you got punched. Steve Golden's fist flew forward yeah, and punched me in the mouth. Right, right, right. And I'm like, what are you hitting me for, dude? You know, like, I'm You're supposed to do tonsil, bro. Right. I literally told him that, that where I trained, everybody would go tonsil at that point. Right. And he went, oh, that's really bad. <laughs> and, and, and that was the whole idea. That was the first time I was ever introduced with, I mean, how scary is this? This was the first time I was ever introduced with the idea of attacking forward into a core. Right, right. Instead of chasing his hand. Yeah. Which is funny because actually when you look at Bruce Lee's notes, like that was something Bruce Lee was very hardcore on. Like Bruce Lee, you know, having perhaps not the most advanced expression of Wing Chun was very solid on certain things. And one of them was going forward and forward pressure. In fact, so much so that he modified the stance to put one leg in front of the other so he could essentially drive more with the rear leg to push more forward and go straight in. And it's interesting to see... Jeet Kune Do adherents lose that because Bruce Lee was like very famous with his forward pressure and forward intent and going in. Well, well unfortunately, one of the problems in the Jeet Kune Do community that I've noticed is that there tends to be a uh, an, a habit of going into Bruce Lee's notes to find writings that will reinforce the beliefs you already have. Right. As opposed to writings that will open up your mind to new things. Right, confirmation bias. Right. Okay, yes. that's the right. That's the yes. right expression part. So you'll see guys literally pour through notes to just pull out the things that show that they're right. 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 And things that they don't understand, or things that they only vaguely understand, they kind of just gloss over. And I don't know how intentional that is. Yeah. I th- I think it's. It's more like, oh, I know I'm right. I don't need to read this other stuff that doesn't make sense to me. Right, right, right. You know, it's and <clears throat> and and you'll you'll find that a lot in JKD, and and I, I just think it comes with you know it's the nature of the beast. It's, well, I think also like it's one of those things um, 
that, you know, Bruce Lee took copious notes on all of the, you know, the books that he read and also all of the things that he was working on. So, like, you've mentioned this a number of times. You also don't know the context by which why Bruce Lee wrote that note in there. It could have been like, oh, like, oh, just look, look at this. Here's some idea. And maybe he didn't really think much of it, but it was just some kind of passing thing. And maybe it was like, oh, my God, those guys do this. And then he'll write it down, but that doesn't mean he's going to do it. He's just kind of take his notes on what he read someone else is going to do in a certain situation. And I think the issue with that is Bruce Lee wrote so much. I mean, look at the number of letters he wrote to people. When you look at, like, Letters of the Dragon, I mean, from from the time he could write English to the day he died, he wrote a letter. I mean, he was a copious letter writer. He wrote lots of notes on his own style, on other styles, on philosophy or whatever. So... To, for confirmation bias, if you have an idea that you want to reinforce, if you look long enough, I'm sure you'll find something in there to reinforce it. But that literally doesn't mean anything or means that Bruce Lee actually subscribed to that. It's kind of like same thing with the Bible or same thing with a lot of religious texts. If you look deep enough, you could probably find something to justify pretty much anything. And that is just kind of mining for that thing to go see. He wrote it on page 163 there in the corner, and that's why, uh, you know, I do a handstand in the middle of boxing, you know, like. <laughs> it's exactly right. It's spot on exactly right. It's so true. I mean, and, and in JKD, you find that all the time. It's, you know, it's um, so, well, I've, and I've had this discussion with Steve Golden, and he would say that that's why we have to find the general trends within the writing. Mm -hmm. You have to find things that are, not just once, but twice, three times, five times, a right. hundred times. Right. And one of the first like lessons, uh, I always joked that I used to call it one of the Karate Kid type lessons that, that Steve Golden gave me was he had me take my book, Chi uh, Kune Do Commentaries on a Martial Way. Yeah. And he wanted me to get a highlighter. And he wanted me to just highlight any line that made reference to distance, timing, or rhythm. Uh -huh. And sometimes you refer to rhythm as cadence. Uh -huh. And just highlight it. And, and next thing I know, I realized you have to get past that first chapter, which was about other martial arts. Right. It has to be almost three quarters of the book. Wow. Was highlighted. Wow. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, like well, this. You know what's interesting? If if we if you can get all the notes digitized, like if you get all those books in some kind of digital format, you can literally run searches on words and come out with like word counts of how many times he used this word, that word, and find what all the high percentage words are, and like come out with a report. And that would be really interesting to see, like, what right, what sure. are the words that he used? You know, outside of obviously. And the, you know, pronouns, things right, like right, that, of course, like, right. and, and, and figure out like, because it's, it's those kind of trends. Like I'll go back and look at stuff that I wrote six years ago, like whether it's for Wing Chun Illustrated or whatever, and I'll look at it and my, um, my, some ideas I have now may have evolved a little bit, but I'll still see that there's like a through line from where I was to now. And I, you could clearly still make all sorts of connections with things that I obviously still say and teach today. And I think it would be no different if you went through Bruce's notes with the same kind of like the same kind of look, you know? Right. Sure. Absolutely. You know, and I have, I went through 
oh Jesus, a few months ago actually. I used to have a very uh, big website on JPD, and it had a lot of original writing on it by me. And um, oh God, this was almost 20 years ago. And I recently found online almost all of it. Wow. Yes. And um, was it like an archived version of your website or something like it, one of those exactly. t- like uh, uh, like time machine things or it's whatever? Yeah, exactly right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And some of it was such bullshit. Really? I was like, wow, what was I drinking when I wrote that? But some of it was like, you know, hey, that wasn't so bad. You uh-huh. know, like uh-huh. I got to reword that and, you know, post that again. Yeah, you, you get know? updated a little bit and, yeah, you got new content. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, I, um, but, uh, yeah, so like, I, 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 like I, I have to take a weekend and do that, I think. I'm going to. Sure. Um, but listen, I want to uh, take a quick break to talk about one of our new uh, sponsors, Art Marshall Clothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Art Martial Clothing is one of the newest and hottest clothing lines for fans of Jeet Kune Do, Wing Chun Martial Arts, and anyone who's a fan of badass streetwear. We talked about it last week. I, I got to tell you, my favorite one, though, is the Miyamoto Musashi. Everybody that knows me knows that I'm a huge Musashi fan, and it's, it's got to be one of the best-looking designs in a martial arts community I've seen in a long time. You know, actually, about your Musashi design, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but you know the UFC fighter Matt Brown? Yes. He retweeted Art Marshall Clothing's design of the Musashi one. Like, oh, like, that's awesome. Yeah, like Matt Brown from UFC. He's like, oh, this is I, – I forget what he said, but he thought it was totally badass. Retweeted it with the design, and it was our new sponsor, Art Marshall Clothing, which is awesome. And, you know, for listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, you can go to artmarshallclothing.com and apply the discount code DOKF for 10% off your entire order right now. Yeah. And that's, that promo code is D-O-K-F at artmarshallclothing.com for 10% off your entire order right now. All right, let's get back to the show, folks. Awesome. Hey, you know, there's another Maxima. It's kind of similar to the hand-chasing one. And it's 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 kind of one of my favorites because it's kind of blunt and it's very Hong Kong. And um, by the way, like one of the interesting things about studying Cantonese is that when I look at the Maxims, um, you can tell that some of them are clearly much older because they're written in a more kind of like archaic formal version of Chinese in a way that like everyday people don't really speak like that, you know? Sure. Kind of like if we see something in like old English or whatever, it's like we can right. understand it like when we see the word thou or something, but nobody would actually like say that, right? Right, so right, of course. Some of the Chinese max- maxims of Wing Chun have a slightly more archaic tint to them. But okay. some of them are like very modern Hong Kong, a little slangy, which gives me the impression that those were ones that were probably newer and developed kind of more in the modern age. Because ultimately, maxims were never written in stone until literally Moyat wrote them in stone. Well, stone. Right? <laughs> but, but like until that time. <laughs> These were things that were just passed down orally. So clearly they probably got a little bit changed, modified, added, whatever. And if you're a martial arts instructor worth your weight in salt, you would probably create your own and come up because these are just like helpful hints for the students to get better, for them to internalize some ideas. And there's one that definitely sounds very kind of modern Hong Kong shit talky. And that one is Da Tao Mo And, uh, Da tao, da, da tao mo ge. Ge. So da, as you that's, know, means hit, right? 
Right. Howl is head. And then mo sounds like it means no Body. or not. Oh, not. And okay. then gurk means leg or foot, like chi gurk, right? So da tao mo gurk. And, and so that literally means hit the head, no kick. <laughs> so it means like, <laughs> like, so it means to stop your opponent's kick, hit him in the head, right? So it's kind of like, and, and of course, we know this is a great tactic. Also from MMA, I mean, how many like roundhouse kicks were stopped cold by a left hook or a straight punch, right? So like, you know, there's this pocket of timing when someone comes in with a kick that if you just step in and punch them, they're standing on one leg. You right. punch them right in the face and, you know, and, and you have an advantage because you're still standing on both your legs. So you have balance, your opponent's standing on one and you literally punch them in the head. And, you know, this is something that's done in kickboxing and MMA and it's a standard Wing Chun model, but kind of like how you were talking about, like chase the body, don't chase the hands. You have the, the standard Wing Chun application of it. And then you have like, a real world application, but going to the root of your problems and so on. Well, that is a little bit like going to the root of the problem. Your opponent is trying to kick you instead of blocking the damn leg. Why don't you just stop them? Right. So kind of like going to the root of the problem right. again, but this one is kind of has a double meaning and a lot of the maxims have a double meaning. And especially, you know, Wing Chun has a very narrow upright stance and we stay square to our opponent with this like center line punch. So the gag is with the Wing Chun stance, if you step in, squared up, punch your opponent right in the face, you're too close to them for them to kick you. So the gag is it's not necessarily about defending a kick by punching in. It's like by stepping in and punching and keeping your opponent at your Wing Chun punching range, they literally cannot kick you, right? So the idea is about jamming and staying close. So it's not just like, oh, if someone kicks you, step in and punch him in the face. It's like, if you don't want that guy to kick you, punch him in the face, you know, like stay close <laughs> to him. Don't give him space, right? So I like that because sometimes when we do um, kick the fence, especially for beginners, like beginners are not used to someone gives you a kick and you're going to like, crowd the guy and step in and jam him and toss him right so i have to get the students to kind of like you know trust themselves to go forward and close that gap against a good kicker and i'll use this motto and sometimes i'll stand behind them and i'll literally give them like a slight shove the moment their partner tries to kick them to get them to uh you know close that gap and 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 you know do what feels like the brave thing which is step in against a kick so i always thought that one was kind of fun um now you know, it's funny. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, go when ahead. When you first said that, when you first said that the um, the uh, what's it called the the, the the expression. Yeah, hit the head. To I stop thought, the I thought the exact opposite. <laughs> so no, literally, when you just when you when you um, said that, I took it as if you want to hit the head. Don't use a kick. Yeah. yeah, that also makes sense, I suppose. But it's actually not what the like in I can understand how you would understand it like that way if I if I translate it into English. But in the Cantonese phraseology, it, it, it doesn't it literally means like there will be no leg if you right, hit the right, head. Right, right, right. Sure, but sure. yeah, it's like kind of like, you know, hit the head. Don't like, yeah, like punch him in the head. Don't use your foot. Right. It's also, you know, we always say, why don't we kick high in Wing Chun? Well, we also don't punch people in the feet. Right. For the same reason we don't punch people in the foot. We don't kick people in the head. Right. So. Right. Uh, right. Right. But I also kind of like make this joke that takes people a moment. I go, well, Wing Chun doesn't kick high, but that doesn't mean we don't kick to the head. 
<laughs> like if your opponent's <laughs> on the ground, you can kick him. <laughs> like you know, like, like they, it always takes them a moment. We go, oh, we don't kick high, but we do kick to the head, and then they'll kind of like they won't figure it out. <laughs> it's like a an intelligence <laughs> test or a riddle. <laughs> I always thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what's going on in our lives? Well, I um I actually was thinking um. You know, because one of the things I'm working on now, now that like, um, you know, my team handles a big part of the teaching at my school. So I'm I'm starting to focus on kind of, you know, projects to, you know, help the greater Wing Chun world, like write more books and do video projects and online tutorials and stuff. So I'm I'm, I'm actually doing one thing that I very rarely do, which is I'm looking at the other stuff that's already out there. I'm looking at what other Wing Chun people have done, people who offer online training or people who offer like, you know, courses and things like that. And, you know, this stuff is now advertised very heavily in like Instagram and Facebook. So I just, I'll look at the trailers of, you know, like Sifus who are offering online courses and stuff and, and see what they present and what their kind of angle is. And, um, one of the things that kind of strikes me a little bit as mm, disingenuous because I saw a video today of somebody who's offering like an online course, like, uh, mm, I don't know, I guess you get like a login and you get regular videos or something like that. Right. right. And he's standing there and he's demonstrating a lot of like body mechanic principles. So, you know, he has people coming up to him and trying to push his arm or he'll, they'll hold their arm a certain way and he'll knock their arm over. Like, it's always like, Hey, you stand like this. Don't move. Watch me move you. You know what I mean? And right, I, right, I'm always like, those things always drive me nuts. Like, yes, we can demonstrate and explain stuff with willing compliant partners. But I always find like, I don't understand why people are so impressed when somebody says, hey, stand this way, put your arm like this. I'm going to put my arm here and now I'm going to knock you over before you have a chance to really fight back. I always find those are somewhat disingenuous, like methods of explaining how well you could do something. But anyway, that wasn't the thing that really bothered me. What bothered me is that um, clearly a lot of Wing Chun people, when they teach stuff, they do it very defensively against what the other Wing Chun people do because Wing Chun people, for some odd reason, always want to recruit other Wing Chun people's students, right? Which has right. never been my goal. The last thing I want to do is teach people who learn Wing Chun elsewhere. It takes twice as long to teach people who learn some other Wing Chun. I would rather take a guy who did karate for 20 years than a Wing Chun, someone who did Wing Chun for 10. Because the habits are different but close enough that it's like three times the work to get somebody to like really change these habits. Whereas a karate guy or somebody from another martial arts background kind of starts almost new, you know, and it's like they're usually a lot more open. So anyway, this Wing Chun Sifu, while he's demonstrating all these kind of, you know, hey, try to push my arm. Oh, you can't push my arm, but I can push you, your arm magic tricks. Um, right then was like demonstrating how other Wing Chun people do Wing Chun. Like, okay, you know, some other Wing Chun people, if you touch their arm, they're going to turn and then punch you. But I don't need to turn because I have such magical kinetic force. I can put everything into the floor and like, look at this. But when you look at it, when the person is essentially representing what the other Wing Chun people do, for the sake of essentially showing how bad what other people do are compared to the magic stuff he does, 
Wing Chun people, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure Jeet Kune Do people do it, karate people do it. Like, whenever they're showing, like, oh, the other guys, this is what they do, they always make it look super lousy and stupid. You know right. what I mean? Like, you know, like we do Bong Sao in this super intelligent way, but the other guy does it like this and does it this way and does it this way. And they go like almost out of their way to do a parody of the worst, dumbest version of what their competitor right. does. Right. And so in in logic, this is actually called a straw man argument, because what you're doing is you're creating a straw man version of what your opponent does, which is very easy for you to knock down. Because it's not actually an accurate representation of what your competitor does. It's a weak, shitty, cheap version of it. That's why they call it a straw man argument, right? And everyone makes straw man arguments. They go, our bong sao is better because look how stupid the other people do it. And then they'll do some very cartoony version of what their opponent does, right? Well, I've always made it my goal to not only understand Leung Ting Wing Chun because he was my teacher and understand WT from a technical and philosophical perspective, but I also look at like, like Dave, what David Peterson writes, and I want to have as much as possible a good technical understanding of how Wong Sun Leung approaches Wing Chun and how you know other Wing Chun sifus of note approach Wing Chun. So if I want to represent what I do compared to one of them, I'm not doing a stupid cartoon mock version of what they do. I can actually say, look, some Wing Chun cells teach Bong Sao like this because this is their idea. We do it differently because this is our idea. Rather than going, look how stupid their Bong Sao is and then show some dumbed down version of what they do. And right. this, this concept of if you want to show that what you do is legit, you want to compare yourself to the best version of what other people do not the worst version it's kind of like saying i'm the best at what i do because everyone else sucks well if everyone else sucks you're the king of shit hill i would rather compare myself to other people who do things really really well and the opposite of the straw man argument is called the steel man argument so you create the most bulletproof best version of what your competitor does so like really like almost like you understand the theory better than they do because you want to put your stuff against the best version of what other people do and not a dumbed down version. And so I always get kind of lost when like a famous Sifu shows their stuff. It's really super cool, but then they have to go and show how stupid the other Wing Chun people are and they don't even represent that other version well or truthfully they do a dumbed down cartoon parody of it and then i always find you know it's not a strong argument to compare yourself to a dumbed down version of what other people do we should really elevate the level of discord brazilian jiu-jitsu people do it all the time they'll say look somebody like does the lock this way i don't like it because i feel it requires a lot of strength so i'll do it this way they don't go oh doing the kimura from this position is totally stupid you know right. what I mean? But like Wing Chun people would do that and then also show a very bad version of the Kimura, which wouldn't work anyway. You know, and it's like and I just find like that is that's I've where I get lost. I've actually had this argument with people. Yes. Um, I had a friend here in New York who posted pictures or videos of them defending themselves against a boxer. And the boxer was their student. Right. Who ne never boxed. Yes, of course. So I said, well, you know what? That's cool. But we live right here in New York. So let's go to Gleason's Gym in Brooklyn and do what you're doing. Right. And let's see how it works. Yes. You know, and this is the same guy who 
posted videos of him against a wrestler, and like the person tackled them by like bending over and like and like coming in slow motion, like some sort of football tackle. Right. And I'm like, okay, that person's never done a penetration step in their life. They yes. are not a wrestler. Right. Right. You know, I wrestled all through school. I know wrestling. Yes. So if you're going to put your shit out there and say, okay, this works against a wrestler. This is going to work against a boxer. You know what? Bring a boxer in. Don't teach one of your students. Or, and, or the other thing is, well, my student did box for 10 years, and, and, and now he's my student. He's still your student. He's not going to want to make you look dumb. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yes. Bring in, bring in somebody. And I'm not saying you do, this, do it to publicly embarrass yourself. I'm not saying videotape it and put it up on Facebook. I'm saying for you, if you want to see, does my shit actually work, bring a wrestler in. Yes. And say, do me a favor, take me down. Right. I'm going to try and practice things to stop you from taking me down. And, and figure out what you can do within your system mm-hmm. to prevent the wrestler from taking you down. Right. If you want to stop a boxer, listen, there's boxing gyms in Brooklyn. There's boxing gyms all over. Everywhere. And go into a boxing gym. Say, hey, listen, can you do me a favor? They'll, they'll all be happy to punch you in the face. <laughs> Especially if you say you do Kung Fu. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, that's... Uh, uh, I, I, I think that in general, the level of discourse, especially in Chinese Kung Fu and, and Wing Chun, obviously... <laughs> You know, in particular, because that's that's my wheelhouse right there. I mean, I'm I, I'm sure it exists in the other styles as well, but I just go well. First of all, uh, if if we really understand what we're doing beyond you know helping people improve their lives through the fantastic vehicle of martial arts, if we're if we're really looking at it, okay, we want to give people a set of ideas that they can use to protect themselves if someone attacks them on the street. Now, if we're talking about competitively fighting against somebody who is a boxer or a wrestler, okay. This is a little bit different. This is this is a different specialization, right? And I think also sometimes people need to understand, they need to like stay in their lane a little bit, right? It's like, okay, right. there's a world of difference between like having a reasonable um, ability to defend yourself against attacks and then like uh, being able to stop somebody with a little bit of wrestling knowledge from taking you down, right? It's like right. There, there, are, there are levels to levels and then there are, there are categories and there is context, right? And it's not all the right. same. Um, but I think in general, like when we have this like kind of Wing Chun, uh, you know, um, kind of, uh, you know, pardon my French, kind of dick-waving contests of like, okay, well, our Tansa, we don't need to turn because we're just so good at absorbing the force into the ground. And the other Wing Chun people, like when they get heavy force, they turn their center and what a bunch of idiots, right? And I go like, okay, well, first of all, even the styles that turn don't always turn. They only turn when they need to. So you're already misrepresenting it that way. Second... Um, you're basically claiming that your ability to absorb power without turning is because you have this amazing kinetic idea of how chi works and you can put into the ground. Okay, like your boxing argument, let's go to Gleason's gym. <laughs> I'm right. going to find a halfway decent guy about your size and he's just going to throw a jab at your chest, not even your face. Right. And I want to see you absorb that without moving your body with your tan cell. So right. it, it, it's kind of, and it's always like, look, context is king, right? 
if I have a student who puts his arm on my arm and I say, go ahead and push me, I have a very good sense of force direction and stuff like that. I can make minimal adjustments, sink my shoulder, and basically make that punch kind of skate off my body without turning. And that is a demonstration of how I can kind of absorb and unload power and stuff. But that is all it is. It's a demonstration of something in a controlled environment. That same student I say, here, put on a glove and I want you to punch me in the face. I guarantee will not stand there and absorb that thing and watch it glance off my body while I root my chi into the floor. I'm going to get out of the way because when punches come at me, I don't want to stand in one place and trust my amazing kinetic chi to take it into my dantian and push it through my fourth meridian. I can... I guarantee you all of these guys who stand there and show how they don't need to turn and they can absorb all this power, I can find your threshold for turning very quickly. And that's I put on one glove on one of my hands. I can move anywhere I want. And all I need to do is punch you with that one hand. I will guarantee you make you move. I don't even care if you're bigger than me. And so if you're going to try to assassinate the argument of another Wing Chun style by showing something else devoid of any kind of context, well, then you better you, you better understand what you're talking about because uh, I, I find that this is either it shows that they have absolutely no fighting experience and they don't know what it's like to have somebody really try to punch you in the face and you will move if someone punches you in the face uh, or they're just lying. So it's like, are you, so are you a hack or are you a liar? I, I don't like, I don't understand what it is because the, 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 the line of argumentation by some of these guys is disingenuous. And I hope that when I make tutorials and videos that I always, you know, put a, a caveat and I say, look, I'm giving a demonstration right now of body mechanics. All right. If someone is coming at you with a full punch, you're going to move, you're going to do it this way. But right now we're isolating this idea. And not to kind of make it seem like, oh, you know, other Wing Chun people are stupid because they're not doing this thing I'm doing right now. I just find that, like, super disingenuous. I, anyway, I don't mean to get too ranty on that, but it's like, I've been watching these videos for the last two weeks. And it's like some of them show good shit. And then they try to say, but look at what the other people do. And we're better because those people are stupid. And then I go, ah, you, you did the straw man thing and you lost me. Right. You know, when I was teaching... The, the one question I hated the most from all prospective students mm-hmm. is they would call you up and they would a lot of them would say, especially if they had prior martial arts experience, they would say, how is what you do different than what so-and-so does? Right. Oh, you do Chikin Do? Yes. Do you do it like the way Dan Asanto does it or the way Ted Wong does it? Or, and I, I would always say, well, I do what I do. And like, well, what you do, is it different than what Dan Asanto does? And, I, and I, I got to the point where I would just give the answer of, why don't you come down and see what I do? Yeah. If you like it, you stay. If you don't like it, you go. And there's no hard feelings. Right. You know, I can't say whether I, what I do is the same or different. Yes, exactly. It's just, it's just... It's, it's beyond silliness at this point. Yeah, and well, I mean, the Chinese have a saying, which uh, I've mentioned before on, on previous episodes, that the a half bucket makes the most noise. So, right. it, like, literally the most annoying prospective student is the one that went online, read a couple articles, or watched a couple videos or whatever, and then 
heard a couple buzzwords and catchphrases, and then they use it like they think they know what they're talking about. Like um, um, my head office got a phone call the other day um, from someone, and and the guy was like – yeah, I learned Wing Chun in China, and now I'm gonna. Uh, now I'm in New York, and I want to know, uh, you know, if I can come and continue learning from you guys. Okay, no problem. We have an intro lesson. The time is Tuesday. This time it's like come in, and we'll show you. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. I need to know what kind of Wing Chun is this, and then you know my my you know office assistant is like, well, you know, we we teach wing chun in the yip man line we we usually use yip man because yip man is more famous than long right, tank for people who don't know it's like yeah everyone's seen the ip man movie so it's like you know we're from the yip man line so it's like a very orthodox wing right. chun that you've seen before and you know why don't you come in and your instructor will answer any of those questions is this snake or crane wing chun oh, uh no, no no well uh, sorry i just uh, you know i'm i'm just here taking appointments if you want to come in you can ask the instructor but well i have some questions i need answered no problem. You come in for an intro lesson. The instructor is more than capable of answering those right. questions. Do, do you do modern or traditional Wing Chun? And, the, and then the problem is that, first of all, you don't know what stupid video or stupid right. article this guy read. You know, because depending on context in Kung Fu, the word modern is a bad word. And the word traditional means super awesome. But right. another guy's video, the word traditional means super bad and outdated and modern means great. So you don't know what this person's coming from because honestly, I hate to sound like a salesman here, but I teach traditional Wing Chun with modern training methods. So is my style traditional or modern? Yes. Right. (laughs) You you know what I mean? But if I say that, I sound like I'm just trying to cover all bases. But I mean, you know, I do classic Yip Man Wing Chun by way of Leung Ting. We use focus mitts, kick shields, sparring gloves, and modern training methods. So... But it's still the tra- it's still the Wing Chun right. that comes from Yip Man. So I mean, like, so it, it, it do what is what I do traditional and modern. I I can't really answer that. But if somebody comes in, I can show them what we do and answer their questions much better. But then these people, because they heard these buzzwords, they decide. Well, the person on the phone isn't um, confirming these buzzwords that I know are are the right buzzwords. So I'm not going to check that place out because again confirmation bias they're not actually they're not actually asking you a question to get an answer they want to hear you say why yes we do the most traditional snake and crane wing chun from the mountains of zeshuan province just like your sifu in china told you was the only real wing chun isn't that convenient (laughs) you know what i mean and it's like you know spoiler alert if you learn from some dude in mainland china and you don't know the lineage Probably a fake, like right. many things. Hey, by the way, speaking of fakes, did you see this video between the so-called Kung Fu school and Taekwondo school in China? No. So anyway, there, it was in a mall. There was a Taekwondo school in a big-ass mall in China. And then apparently, like, the initial video said, like, Kung Fu school versus Taekwondo school. And it was, like, a bunch of dudes in black jumpsuits versus a bunch of people in Taekwondo outfits. And the dudes in the black jumpsuits just beat the living shite out of the Taekwondo guys. Now, when I first saw it, I go, well, I don't think those are Kung Fu guys. Those guys just look like street thugs, right? Right. Um, Because honestly, if they're Kung Fu guys in mainland China, the Taekwondo guys could probably kick their ass. But anyway, um, but it's neither here nor there. And I go, no, those dudes are fighting like gym bros, right? 
And then it later turns out, oh, no, they were gym bros who for some reason were pissed off at the Taekwondo school. And a bunch of people filmed it with their cameras, right? And in one of the videos, you see all the Taekwondo guys are laid out on the floor, like laid out lying down. Wow. And I was like, Jesus. And then, like, what is the second video on YouTube? It was an alternative angle. Somebody from the other side of the mall filmed it. And you see that as soon as this fight starts, all the Taekwondo people just laid down on the ground. So it was some kind of fake publicity stunt. And this is, again, like, look, there are legitimate lineages of Wing Chun from mainland China. Look, Yip Man was originally from China, came to Hong Kong, brought Chinese Wing Chun to Hong Kong. I'm not saying that mainland China is devoid of real martial arts. Mainland China has... Sanda, which is an amazing kickboxing art. Uh, Mainland China has. Now they have really great MMA fighters. So there is legit martial arts in China. Just not the Kung Fu. (laughs) A lot of the Kung Fu in China is fake. If you can learn legit MMA and legit kickboxing in China for sure. But I would always be very mindful because people forget what the communists did. And they basically... Uh, made it illegal to practice traditional Chinese culture, which included Chinese martial arts. So for the longest time, you were not allowed to practice traditional ma- martial arts, which is why they have wushu, which is a acrobatic form of martial arts, but it's not the real martial application of it, right? So, you know, in China, you just see a lot of fake kung fu, right? And then so we get this phone call from this guy who learned from some dude in China. And you know what's always strange? whether it's a white dude or a Chinese dude, if they learn from somebody in China, they can never remember what their Sifu's name was or what oh, lineage yeah, right. they were from. And I always find this is very strange, which shows me how lost mainland China is on traditional Chinese culture. It's like if I have somebody, if I have a white person or a, let's just not even a white person, a non-Chinese person who learned in Hong Kong, or I have a Chinese person who learned in Hong Kong, who visits my school, they always know who their Sifu is and who they learn from because in Hong Kong, they still adhere to traditional Chinese culture. I have Chinese people who've come to my school from mainland China, told me they learned Wing Chun, cannot even properly tell me their Sifu's name or what line. And I just look at that and I go, Bleh? but they have a thousand questions. Right. And if you don't give them the right answer, uh, you know, some dude that they can't even tell you their name told them that you're wrong. And I always find, you know, Confirmation bias is rife among the Chinese martial arts community. And uh, I think your dog is signaling to us that it's about time to wrap up. <laughs> my, 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 my little pup is saying, enough of that shit. <laughs> awesome. Before we get out of here, I got a couple things to plug. Um, the ITC, my intensive training camp, is from June 24th to June 30th. And that dog is very excited about my ITC, very clearly. If you guys are, uh, if you guys are from the WT line for sure, or you're very interested in uh, the way I present and teach Wing Chun, you have the opportunity to learn uh, five days a week, uh, you know, for the entire week, six hours a day, uh, from uh, starting June 24th. If you are in the WT line, I recommend you stay all the way to the 30th because on the weekend I do special training for instructors. You basically get to spend an awesome week with me and who does not want to spend a week doing Wing Chun with me? <laughs> if you're interested in that, uh, we do have a few slots available. Like I said, I always open a couple slots for people who are not part of my association and uh, you can email info at cdwt.com if you're interested in coming to that at the end of June, our ITC. Again, info at 
citywt.com if you want to come and do the intensive training camp. Also, our good buddy Jim Rosalando, who's been on the podcast a couple times, is doing another Boston Wing Chun workshop. Uh, and he has uh, Phil Romero from the Hawkins Chung line coming in and uh, Mark Phillips as well coming in from the UK. And I think Mark Phillips is also doing uh, an additional class like the night before or something like that. So if you're interested in doing that, that is uh, actually on Saturday, June 1st in Boston from 1 to 7 p.m. Again, Saturday, June 1st in Boston, 1 to 7 p.m. Uh, they have an event page for it on Facebook, Boston Wing Chun Workshop. Look it up on Facebook, hook up, and uh, go for that. I, I've taught it a couple times. I'm not teaching it this year, but uh, you should go to it if you're a lover of Wing Chun and you like training with cool people who do not have egos. Mark Phillips is an absolute gem of a human being, really great, super sweet guy. Uh, Phil Romero's really funny. He's from the old school, can tell you stories that are really great. And, uh, and of course, Jim Rosalando. He's pretty cool, too, I guess. So uh, go ahead and check that out. And for those of you who are interested in my Hong Kong trip uh, and you want to do the Hong Kong tour with the Kung Fu Genius, uh, the tour I'm going to do is going to be between July 22nd and July 26th. Of course, I'm going to be in Hong Kong a few days before that and a few days after doing some work. But the actual tour, if you want to come and get the tour with me, it's between July 22nd and July 26th in Hong Kong. Again, you can email info at CDWT for more information on that, on the cost of the tour with me and uh, other options you have as well if you guys are interested in training. And that is all for me, Sean. Well, I have a personal thing I want to give a shout out to my buddy, Seth McCollum. Who this is absolutely nothing to do with martial arts, but I promised him I would do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> he he is right now as we're recording this with my favorite blues player, pa- Papa Chubby, and he was gonna just now put me on the phone with Papa Chubby, but I couldn't because I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, man. <laughs> so he got me he got me an autographed album, and he's sitting there talking to Papa Chubby about me. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I just thought it was pretty cool. So he said, I better get a shout out on the podcast. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's great. Yeah, now I know why you were looking at your phone there, kind of looking yeah, somewhat concerned a moment ago. I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, <laughs> he's like sitting there. He's like, yeah, I'm here with Papa Chubby. wants to say hello. Like, oh, you got to be kidding me. That's man. funny. That's funny. All right, guys. Well, it was, All right, guys, it was a lot of talk fun. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes, as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter, too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. 
If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!